0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the South Carolina Grower Exchange Podcast. Every week, agents, specialists, and growers from around the state chat about what's happening in the field and discuss the latest crop weather, insect, disease, and weed issues, as well as timely reminders and information related to fruit and vegetable production in South Carolina. Remember, you can read weekly field updates and register for upcoming events. By visiting the SC Grower blog
1: at scgrower.com. All right, welcome everybody to this week's uh, podcast, the South Carolina Grower Exchange. It is the 10th of August. It is extremely hot and more so muggy than it is hot, if you can believe that, down in Charleston, South Carolina. I got a great uh, group of panelists with me today. We're going to give you some crop de- updates from around the state, some recommendations, things that we're seeing. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know, you can always reach out to us uh, via our scgrower.com blog page. Our contact information is there. Uh, or if you have our email or uh, probably more valuable than that, our cell phone number, um, you guys can reach us and uh, ask us any questions. Um, now's a really good time to prepare yourself um, on paper and mentally uh, for the upcoming season. So we'd be glad to be in your conversations um, to help you schedule um, some crop crop planning, crop rotation, uh, whatever you guys may, guys and gals may need um, this time of year. So anyway, I'm going to uh, pitch it to Rob last. Rob is an agent, as you guys know, down in Allendale, Hampton, Bamberg, and Barnwell. I think I got them all, finally, uh, counties. So Rob, what you've been seeing
2: in the last couple of weeks? Good morning from a very sweltery Fairfax, uh, South Carolina. Down here, we're, start- we're really starting to begin to think about ramping up for fall cropping, um, getting some fumigants out for strawberries in a f- few places. But the main thing I wanted to talk about today, uh, we have found some bark scale insects in blackberries. These are a waxy scale and will often hide underneath the exfoliating bark um, on the blackberry canes. We've found both egg egg sacs and adults. And Bruce, please feel free to interject uh, with any any comments as well, because Bruce and I Bruce has been working with me on on this to try and get some solutions. So, what we are looking at doing is treat is managing these scale insects and it looks um bruce correct me if i'm wrong on the blackberries it looks like it may be crepe myrtle bark scale which is a new find in south carolina but has been reported in river species in asia obviously where crepe myrtles are much more native to so in terms of identification and management identification of bark scales and scale insects is very difficult It does require the use of a microscope so if you're in any under any doubt whatsoever contact an extension agent and we will be more than happy to help you and as i say these things are these things are quite difficult to see at times now we get a crawler hatch from the eggs in late april and then a further hatch in the in the late summer so what we're looking for with the crawlers is a tiny, almost pink dot. Very, very difficult to see without the use of a hand lens. Now, there are a couple of t- tactics that we can use to try and trap them. One very cheap and cheerful, simple solution can be double-sided sticky tape attached to the branches that catches the crawlers. And Bruce, I forget which, what the product you were recommending yesterday was.
3: It's the uh, tangle foot. It's um, basically it's uh, it's the rat that you put around the canes and then and then wipe on this this sticky honey-like substance uh, on the on the wrap. And it and it does the same thing. It it just uh yeah, you know, it, it captures them as they're trying to crawl across it.
2: Thank you, Bruce. But, uh, but again, the, the the key to these is looking at them closely with a hand lens because they're really difficult to see with the naked eye. Uh, so monitoring and trapping is going to be the key way of finding when egg hatch is occurring. Now, in terms of management, what we're looking at doing is applying the insect growth regulators, products like a steam, um, with, with a crop oil solution. Now, but, crepe myrtle bark scales have a very waxy cuticle, almost to the appearance of a mealy bug. So the addition of a crop oil in there may help to strip off some of that waxy cuticle protection, allowing penetration of the product. The crawlers are relatively well controlled using the Group 3 pyrethroid insecticides, hence we need to monitor when those are around to be able to time that insecticide effectively. One thing to note is the systemics, particularly the likes of imidacloprid, are very, are not particularly effective at control for this particular bark scale. So. As I say, if you in any doubt, please contact one of us as extension agents, and we'll be more than happy to help you. And the other thing, Rob, we'll flag. Go. On, sorry, Rob, Zach.
1: can I can I interject? Um, I, I feel like you're going to go off the of scale, and I and I want to talk about this a little bit. You know, if you do have uh, blueberries or blackberries, you need to be, uh, you know, mindful of what this looks like and, and the different stages. You mentioned, you know, there's an egg stage, there's a crawler stage, and then there's a adult stage. And in the adult stage, um, they put down, and I kind of like to think of it as like a turtle shell almost, they kind of uh, latch onto the plant and they put this protective covering over them. And when they're in that stage, that's when we, I guess, see them. You know, you'll see these like little white dots or like translucent or kind of pink looking cream colored dots all over the the stems. And pesticides at that point, which you were saying, just to kind of reiterate, they're not going to be effective at that stage because of that waxy cuticle. It can't penetrate and kill the insect, which the insects kind of under, you know, inside under that igloo or. umbrella. Like an
2: umbrella. An umbrella, It's kind of like having an umbrella over the top of you. That's very difficult to penetrate.
1: Exactly. And so insecticides are very ineffective and, and really you're just wasting your money um, at that point in time. And so that's kind of what you and Bruce were alluding to when you have that sticky tape or, or whatever you can get the crawler stage and that's when they're going from that egg to adult they're very vulnerable um, and pretty easy to kill on that stage with a contact insecticide correct
2: yes that, that's my understanding zach
1: yeah so you know we get a lot of homeowners you know with ornamental plants and you know the first thing is what do i spray and it's really hard to tell them don't spray anything right now you're going to have to wait to that crawler stage and, and people want you know something right then right there to take care of the problem and, and nothing's going to it's it's really about timing and, and that sort of thing with this pest.
2: Yeah, the more we can do with timing with a, as with a lot of pests uh, getting the timing right is the difference between getting control and not and all um, waste in effect wasting money.
1: Right. right. So. You might not know but I was i'm just to... curious where did this pest come from why is it becoming a pest right now do you
0: know
2: the honest answer is it's likely to be coming coming in on imported crepe myrtles um that's where it has been found in south carolina previously um bruce you bruce you were about to make a comment
3: i, I was just gonna uh you know before we we moved away from you know really talking about as far as management and 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 trying to reduced populations, I just wanted to mention too, that, uh, you know, since there was so many, um, it seemed like they, they had a uh, preference of being more on, on floor canes than on the primocanes, just a, a timely removal of those uh canes right after season is really gonna, gonna knock down that uh, a good portion of that, that population. And not only removal, but removal and, and destroying them, you know, uh, uh, especially through burning or, or, you know, some of the old debris is, is really going to, re- um, uh, reduce that population, keep it from, you know, potentially, um, you know, coming from, from, you know, a debris pile or something and, and reinfecting
1: Bruce, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because we, you and I, uh, we did a podcast two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and I believe, you know, that's what we talked about is timely removal of any crop and crop debris that, that, we're growing and, and how critical that is so those populations don't build. You know, you just can't walk away from it because um, you're gonna have compounding problems next year. So it's, it's good to hear that that's a really effective management strategy um, for everybody, both conventional and, and sustainable or organic growers.
2: Anything that we can do from a management perspective to remove or reduce the population mechanically and get rid of the rid of it is going to help and helps with disease control, disease management as well.
1: Cool. Um, what else? What else you got, Rob? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I, this is really important, and I wanted to make sure um, that we really covered that well. So, That's- what else you got?
2: I'm happy happy for any interruptions, Zach. It keeps my mind focused. The other thing that we are finding is bark scales in blueberries. It is not likely to be a crepe myrtle bark scale because of the difference in the species. And chances are it's azalea bark scale, but they do have a similar sort of white waxy cuticle and tend to hide underneath the exfoliating bark. And so, yeah, just that's an observation. We've seen seen quite a few in, in various counties on blueberries down in this area. So just something to be aware of. And as with the, the um, images that were on SC Grow yesterday from the blackberries, they're going to look like a very white or creamy waxy um, adult. And again, the crawlers are going to hatch in the next month or so or over the next month and be a pink, uh, tiny pinprick. So we're gonna to need to be looking at trapping and monitoring blueberries as well.
1: And when we're spraying, we wanna do you know, high pressure, um, high volumes to, to get into the cracks and crevices?
2: Absolutely. The more volume we can do, I wouldn't recommend putting, my suggestion has been to put in crop oil, which is helping to remove that waxy cuticle. If you're targeting crawlers and they're hiding underneath the bark, then a spreader can work really well to adjust the water properties to get the flow down inside that ex- exfoliating bark. And again, as we go further forward, if you, if you guys as growers are in any doubt whatsoever, please pick up the phone or contact one of us and we'll be more than happy to help you out. All right. Uh, is
1: that everything from your region, Rob?
2: I think so for right now, Zach. Yeah, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: there you go, um, Bruce. What are you seeing up in your region?
3: Uh, well, you know, we've got a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, um, well, we're getting good rains. So, I mean, you know, good, good soil moisture right now. Uh, hot, humid, but that's that's yeah, that's that's the summer in South Carolina. But um, most all the vegetable crops are are coming off pretty good. The um, you know still seeing some some downy mildew still you know lingering around. You know really having to use some uh, you know arondas, randman, some of the the you know um, as I call it some sort of the the back shelf products that uh, you know they really tried to try to keep it uh, you know keep it knocked down. But. and seeing some uh some some powdery mildew you know really uh coming out in in squash you know which is is um is you know it's pretty typical but you know it's um re- really trying to stay on top of that you know trying to preserve the, the plants the only other thing that i've really seen on um, cucurbits is been seeing uh, and it was one uh rather large field and it had cottony leaf and basically what it was it was a replant and um you know from a, from a spring planting, they had harvested and you know, reprepped the field and and um and replanted it and you know sometimes you can run into some some back to back problems like that, and they did they they actually saw uh, started seeing some some things that started looking like cottony leak um back from the spring crop you know when they went and harvested it uh early summer, but it was um you know, really didn't think too much of it. it. Was it was you know kind of sporadic in the field when they when they came back with this crop, you know, in the same place, it really just you know, and and too a lot of these regular rains are are really just keeping you know um, really cause that disease to really spread out. And it is uh you know so it's a, it's a Pythium type disease. It's a OMIC. Uh So you know the the problem with it is is that and and this was, Vine um, said that they had you know like one one and a half inch fruit on them. So you know this this is kind of a difficult time to to really, you know try to try to attack that that type of, of, of pathogen. You know the ideal t- the thing is rotation is, uh, is 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 probably your best uh, method of control. Uh, and then you know some of your 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 products like uh, uh, metal axle you know things like that that. that you know, it's basically gonna be more of a soil applied uh, type product uh, in between you know, when, when, you're, when you're pretty much on bare ground. But when you're in season like this, uh, you know, really about the only alternatives that that you really have is, is something like, um, you know, uh, like a, a K5, you know, potassium phosphate type product or, um, or like a Ritamil. But the Ritamil formulation would have to be like a Ritamil uh, with Mancazea, or with copper, that's the only ones that have a foliar application. So basically, is that and then rotating like to a K five, um, potentially even you know just a, a straight out copper product, and and really doing it on about a seven day rotation. So then, I mean, you know, that's uh, you you get to use some you know some of your um, methanoxin, you know Ritimil type products you know repeatedly, it it, it can really start adding up uh, economically. So. So basically did see that, uh, but that, that was just one, uh, one, one field in particular. Um, Cowpeas, uh, Curcurlio is, is still, you know, we're, we're still fighting that thing. Um, you know, and it's, um, yeah, I've, I've been telling folks it's, uh, you know, basically, um, yeah, start before before you're even seeing blooms. I mean, which is, is, is you know, the, I guess recommendation has always been, you know, start right right the time you see the first bloom, and and spray, you know, about every five days. Um, well, now I'm I'm you know, I'm telling folks because it is such a bad season with them to really step forward, yeah, you know, even before they're they're seeing open blooms. Um, you yeah, to really and they're they're gonna have to really stay on top of a And um, I mean, because it like you know, like I said, it, it has been just a really a tough year for them. Uh to kind of change gears a little bit, uh go from vegetables over to, to fruit still seeing some really high counts of spotter wing drosophila and late season blueberries so that just uh, kind of reaffirms you know really staying on top of your your insecticide sprays um you know and and really trying to manage it even though you know i know that there's oh you know really only just a, a few varieties of really late season blueberries that still throwing out some blueberries uh but it's real important you know if you are trying to trying to uh harvest them and and you know, for you know, for sale. You know, to, to basically, you know, to fill a market. Uh, it really to stay on top of quality. And you know, since there is such a such high populations of the spotted wind drosophila right now, uh, since there is a little, very limited amount of fruit out there, you know, they're they're really going to attack it really hard. So so you got to stay on top of it. The uh something else in in fruit. We're starting to see grape, uh, grape root uh bores really. Um, ramping up. Um, I know that I was uh, checking traps yesterday, and I saw I think uh, one trap had like 172. Um, another one had like 158. I mean, you know, and, and for for weekly uh, weekly trap counts, I mean that's 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 extremely high. So you know, I, um, uh, uh, I guess uh, Dr. Oscar Libard, uh down at University of Florida had had mentioned. That um, was one article that I read of his. Even one larva can can cause up to fifty percent loss of yield uh, in a vine. So you know you're talking about a lot of really big potential for you know for for reproduction and you know just a lot of presence in the field or in in the vineyard. So that's something that we really have to stay on top of. Problem with it is is that we are getting late into the season. Uh, especially with most any of your your fresh market varieties, so you're going to be uh, you know managing them or managing the insect with lower band is always kind of a, a iffy thing with uh, uh, cool firefoss. But it's um yeah it's, it's it's some people have you know some major issues with it because it is a food crop. Now you're not actually spraying you know the chlorpyrifos cool on the foliage, on the trunks, or anything like that. You're not coming in t- contact with any of the the plant itself, but you are doing it as, a, as a spray application a broadcast spray application on the ground to try to control the insect as it's emerging through the soil. So, um, but Lower's man is very effective. But the, the problem with it is, is that we've actually, even on our wine grapes, which tend to be our latter, you know, sort of come in the latter part of the season, uh, you know, where, where harvest is gonna be right around Labor Day, uh we've that window to use lor's band is as closed up even for us uh you know if you if you start looking maybe up to the, the dub state there might still be a little bit of a window there but it's it's going to be tight uh some really really late season uh fresh market varieties something like a granny bow or something like that, there might still be potential you know to to um as an application for that but but you know the wind is really closing up so I talked to some uh some growers uh, yesterday and yeah you know, that they, they had missed their, their lower span application, but they really needed to, to do something. So I turned them over to using the the uh, GRB isomate uh, pheromone uh ties. And so we're trying to just locate uh some sources for those right now. So as far as those, those can easily still be used, uh, you know, just time to the wire. And and the thing of it is is they're gonna you know because the, the potential for the for the insects to still come out you know even into September is still there, so you know it's gonna help control you know, you know them by basically just flooding the vineyard with with pheromone and really just kind of confusing all the males, and so um, but that can still be used now, and there's there's a couple other methods you know um, well um, you know anything like the um, the the nematodes the um, you know that you would put in soil. You'd need to put that way in the into the season. You know a lot earlier in the season. You know to go ahead and get them established and and, and start you know working on on trying to reduce those populations of of larvae um, and, and pupae they that's in the soil. So really, other than than soil mounding, you still have that option uh, in in vineyards. That that and the uh, and the the um, the pheromone ties are about the only thing that, that really has uh, you know that you can still still do. Uh, pretty much across the state. So um, also starting to see some pecan weevil uh, activity quite a bit on pecan trees. So it's, um, you know, typically that's, uh, you know, right around the first good rain uh, in August, uh, first of August. So we're starting to see a lot of activity on those. So carburel is is probably the best, uh, you know, best way of, of treating them and that's basically doing a ground application, a trunk application, in lower canopy. Um, is, uh, it, and it's, it, you'll get really good good control. If you do see any drop nuts or anything like that, you know, really trying to get them out of the uh, of the orchard. Um, you know, is another way. Even if you're not using something like carbaryl, as le- at least picking up those uh, those nuts and destroying them. But also using um, you know the uh, the the wrap on the tree with the the tangled foot, um, yeah, it's a good way of of monitoring them. Um, but also the um, you know as far as some of the traps, you know there there's screen traps and then there's like the burlap bag type trap, you know that you wrap around the tree and then it's it basically to do folds so, so you can keep an eye on it. But uh, but you know uh, pecan weevils can can really cause just tremendous amount of, of problems. I mean I've seen what I would consider 100 damage in in orchards before, so. Um, yeah you know they 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 economically, they're really big problem. Um, the only other uh, thing has been um, army worm, fall, fall army worm uh, populations that have just really exploded the last couple of weeks. So we're seeing them just just everywhere. And that's something that that really can can affect a lot of different crops.
1: Thanks, Bruce. Um, I know a, another pecan pest that you missed, um, you. you um, wish you would have talked about squirrels because uh, my good buddy Justin is a squirrel assassin. Um, I believe he has lots of experience sniping squirrels. So, Justin, uh, what's happening in the Lexington area?
4: Uh, well, we haven't started shooting squirrels yet. <laughs> It'll probably be another uh, month before they start going wild. But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we've, we've uh, gotten a little more rain. We got about an inch and a half at my house last night. I'm not sure how widespread it was, um, but the ground was a little wet out and about this morning. So I think some folks, most folks got a little bit. <clears throat> um, we've planted a lot more brassicas in the last week or so. Uh, Philip and I looked at a couple fields and found some caterpillars already infesting some seedling brassicas. Um, So we've been using every opportunity we get to remind folks that uh, it's time to scout as soon as you put plants in the ground and also that we can do those bioassays to check for insecticide resistance in the diamondback moth populations. Um, We'll do as many of those as we can and we haven't gotten to our limit yet, so hopefully more folks will take advantage of that this year. Uh, We do have uh, conventional chemicals and organic chemicals to try on that. Um, so yeah, we're ready to get started on those and we'll, we'll do as many as we can this year. Uh, still got diseases here and there, uh, but you know, mild temperatures and lots of rain, that's to be expected. I'm seeing all the same stuff we've been seeing all summer anthracnose, downy mildew, powdery mildew, bacterial spot, early blight, southern blight, all that good stuff.
1: Sound like uh Bubba Gump naming the different types of shrimp, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the that, diseases in the watermelon field. That's about it, but that's about all the diseases I can think of. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I hope we don't have to give copyrights to uh Forest Gump, but uh. Anyway, um, crop update from uh, my area. You know, we, not many crops are in right now. Um, We got uh, fall tomatoes and watermelons uh, that have already been planted. They look kind of yellow and weak, but as to be expected with all the rain that we have. I've seen some bacterial spot on pepper. Really need to get ahead of that. Um, There are some varieties of pepper that have resistance to bacterial spot. Um, However, there are a lot of bacteria, uh, path of ours that have resistance um, to those resistant plants. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a treadmill um, type thing, but fall peppers, fall tomatoes, fall watermelons are just tough with our heat and humidity, and especially the hurricanes coming through. So, anyway, just be proactive when you can get in the fields to spray. Um, we've got standing water in our sandy fields, which is quite the accomplishment this time of year. So, um, stay ahead of that uh, with preventative products. Um, I've seen some melon worms. I posted a picture on SC Grower, but a melon worm is a green worm with two um, lateral lines on it. They do um, some pretty extensive uh, defoliation of uh, cucumbers and squash. So if you go out of your fields and you see, you know, just the veins of the plants left, um, you know, look real hard for the melon worms. And and a lot of times you'll see their frass or their poop, uh, which is fun to find. But um, they're very easily managed. You just need to to get on top of them with a couple of different products for you know a week or two weeks, and you can clean them up. Um, another thing, you know, we don't really talk about much, but I visited some farmer, uh, flower farms in the re- recent week. Um, flowers are kind of looking rough this time of year, as you can imagine, with all the leaf spots and that sort of thing. So, um, anyway, I'm going to try to make it a point to to bring up some of the flower farms. Uh, more often about what varieties are being planted and what I'm seeing in the field. But um, anyway, that's that's kind of the crop report from the low country. Um, last but not least, Philip, I'm going to pitch it to you, kind of tell folks, maybe if this is their first time joining, um, what counties you're in and how to get a hold of you.
0: Well, my name is Philip Carnley. Like Zach uh, said, I'm the horticulture agent for Orangeburg and Calhoun counties. Uh, I can be reached at uh, 803 five one six four two one zero or by email at p-c-a-r-n-l-e at clemson.edu um not a whole bunch going on in in my two counties here lately we're fairly dry haven't had much rain in the last week um uh hemp seems to be a little bit behind in orangeburg County, uh, county this year um so far um they've had some uh Troubles with it J rooting and uh, not rooting very well. Um, We've also seen a few cucumber beetles here and there, nothing too uh, substantial other than the uh, downy mildew, which just like Bruce said, we're still fighting down here a little bit. Um, That's pretty much all that's happening in our counties right now. We still got some some, uh, cucumbers going in. so far as I know, I haven't seen any brassicas or heard any of my farmers planting any brassicas yet. Um, but I did scout with Zach, and we have seen some early signs of the diamondback uh, moth early on in the brassica crops.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks for the update. Again, if uh, you need to reach Philip, um, he's out and about looking to meet growers. So uh, reach out to him. Hope you guys have a good week. Uh, We'll see everyone or we'll tune in with you next week. Take care.